a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today we're going to talk about Utah's air and its correlation or its connection to our health. It's fascinating. Joining us in studio today is Dr. Liz Joy. She is the Medical Director of Community Health, Health Promotion, and Wellness at Intermountain Healthcare. Dr. Joy, thank you so much for being in studio with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I want to say that it's new information for us to start thinking about the air that we're breathing uh, affecting our health. So let's talk in general. What what are we looking at when we're living in Utah? What Why do we need to be aware of the air that we're breathing? Well, air pollution has lots of different components. I think what most of us are used to thinking about in Utah is particulate pollution because we can see it. We can smell it. We can taste it, sadly. And that's really the the particles that are in our air that come out of our tailpipes, that come from industry, um, in the summertime, it might be wood smoke, but you know that smog actually, when we breathe it in, can cause all sorts of damage in our body. You know, in our heart, in our lungs, in our brains, in our kidneys, etc. So, you know, broadly speaking, you know, almost all air pollution is bad for you, um, and Utah is uniquely affected because of our topography with mountain ranges on both the west and east side of our Wasatch Front. Um, that sets us up for something called inverted temperatures, where kind of cold air slides down those mountain slopes and then gets trapped under a lid of warm air. And that traps the pollutants that come out of tailpipes and out of industry, you know, in the air we breathe. And that increases, you know, the health risks associated with that pollution. So where if we lived in an area that didn't have the mountains that created the sides that trapped it in, those particulates would be diffused more throughout the air and possibly moved away, where instead we're breathing in a concentrated amount of those pollutants. Right. I I grew up in Minnesota, you know, where, as they say, Mm -hmm. you know, the wind goes rushing down the plains, you know, and if we had air pollution in Minnesota, you know, it just went to Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I live there. (laughs) So, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I didn't even actually think about air pollution until I moved to Utah in 1995. And, you know, I'm a sports medicine physician and you know, I really encourage people to, you know, exercise and be active outdoors. And then all of a sudden the winter shows up and I'm like, what is this? I'd never even heard of inverted temperatures and temperature inversions that cause problems with pollution, you know, until I moved here and learned about, you know, the topography and so on and so on and um, how that, you know, traps air pollution, you know, in the air we breathe. I like that what you just said. You're talking about your focus in sports medicine. And and one of the things that you do, of course, is tell people we should stay active. And, and we pass that message on, of course, on the radio as well. Let's set our goals four to five times a day or a week, possibly, to keep yourself active and moving. And then when winter comes 
and we have the pollution, what is your concern? What what should we be doing as someone who wants to remain fit, but we've got that poor air quality around us? Yeah, a whole bunch of things. So one is, you know, just being aware of when are there good air days, kind of really bad air days, and when is it somewhere kind of in between? You know, on good air days, you know, you can exercise outside whenever you want. You know, don't even really worry about it. You know, when air quality is really poor, you know, those are days to choose to probably exercise inside. Um, You know, moderate days, you know, you have to kind of look at your health risks. You know, for somebody who has asthma, for example, you know, even on moderately poor air quality days, they probably want to exercise inside or maybe go to a higher elevation, you know, where you're exercising above the inversion. So it's a great day to go to Park City, you know, and and try and avoid um, air quality. So when we literally see that, when we come up to the ski resorts where we head up to high elevation and things look clearer, we literally are seeing cleaner air. Yeah, That's better for us. Yeah, definitely. That's why skiing, I guess, would be such a great sport for us to partake of. That's right. In in the wintertime. So there's a plug for Utah. The greatest snow on earth, right? (laughs) That's great. Um, So let's talk in depth about the pollution. You mentioned for at-risk populations, we need to be even more sensitive. And I can put myself in there. I started to develop asthma about five, six years ago. It wasn't something I dealt with uh, throughout my youth, but I started to become more sensitive. So for those who have asthma, who else are at-risk populations that need to be really careful about the Utah pollution and aware of it? Asthma, definitely. Children and adults. Um, People with other pulmonary conditions like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or chronic bronchitis, they also can be affected by air pollution. People with heart disease or somebody who's had a stroke. Um, Air pollution is really inflammatory. It causes swelling, you know, inside your blood vessels, you know, which could increase the risk of a subsequent heart attack or it could exacerbate congestive heart failure. Um, It could potentially cause another stroke, you know, in somebody who has previously had a stroke. So heart disease and stroke are are two conditions, you know, can definitely be made worse by exposure to air pollution. Um, And then, you know, there are other conditions like pregnancy, you know, and there are some concerns about air pollution exposure, you know, to a developing fetus, during pregnancy. That's a lot of information. And and one of the things you and I, for those who just joined us, by the way, this is Dr. Liz Joy. She's the medical director of community health, health promotion, and wellness at Intermountain Healthcare. We're talking about Utah's air quality and our health. And we just discussed a few things that might seem a little bit scary. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that because at first we're thinking, okay, you know, we do see the air around us. We're concerned about the pollution that Utah has. And in some areas, some of the most polluted air in the country we find in Cache Valley, again, trapped there. And so that makes us a little bit more anxious uh, about that air quality. Is there a lot that we can do about that? Well, again, it goes back to, you know, being informed. And, you know, having conversations like this, mm-hmm. you know, helps to inform the public about, you know, risks of air quality and how it may affect the health of yourself and your loved ones. And a great tool is to download one of the air quality apps to your smartphone. Lots of people have smartphones. There's some great air quality apps. One is called airnow.gov, and that comes from the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA. And then we have a local version called Utah Air. And what that does is it it gives you um, information about the air quality in your particular location. You can actually, on airnow.gov, enter your zip code. So I can put in my home zip code, and um, there's not an air quality monitor in my neighborhood, 
It actually is reading the air quality at Hawthorne Elementary on 7th East and 13th South. Um, but it'll give you a number between zero and I think it goes a little bit past 200. Um, and, and it's color-coded. And so uh, between zero and 50, that's the green zone. That's good air quality. And so when you're in that green zone, you can safely exercise and do activities and work outside and not worry that air quality is negatively going to impact your health. Between 51 and 100, that's moderate. That's yellow. So, you know, go slow. So for some people, you know, who are particularly sensitive to air pollution, they may find that outdoor activities, whether it's exercise or work or active transportation, that they may notice a worsening of their symptoms, even in that yellow zone. When we get to 101, you know, between 101 and 150, you know, that's considered unhealthy air, and particularly for sensitive groups. So people who have asthma, you know, who have a history of heart disease, whether it's they've had a heart attack or they have congestive heart failure, people who have had a stroke, you know, they should not be active outdoors. You know, that's not the day to take your dog for a walk necessarily, right? Right, right. Um, And it goes up from there. So I'm glad to appreciate, I appreciate you sharing those apps because there have been times where I've wondered about air quality and and I'm online quite a bit in the job that I have and I've struggled to try to find out what is the air quality where I'm at because the Wasatch Front is so big and wide and depending on the elevation where you live, you're going to have different air quality that you're breathing. And so this gives us the power to say where I'm at where I'm going to be exercising, let me check. Let me make sure it's either the green or the yellow uh, zone. And if it is in the yellow zone, which you said moderately uh, concerning, right? then for someone like me, I may only do a walk rather than a run because of my asthma. Absolutely. Absolutely. And indoor air quality is generally better than outdoor air quality. And of course, exercising at a higher altitude. And then another thing I think it's important to bring up is you know, um, a lot of our pollution comes from tailpipe emissions. You know, they're coming out the back of our cars. And so, you know, making choices about not exercising during the commute. So maybe not between 7.30 and 9 o'clock in the morning. In other words, when there's a lot more cars on the roadways and their tailpipes are pushing out the pollutants, if we're running or biking or walking right beside that roadway, we are actually getting a much more concentrated exposure. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, avoid outdoor exercise maybe between 7.30 and 9 and then in the evening between 4.30 and 6.30 or 6 o'clock, something like that. And then, of course, the other thing is to not exercise next to heavily trafficked roadways. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of active transportation, you know, walking or biking to school, certainly using public transportation. But, you know, if you're going to actively transport yourself to work, you know, try and stay off the heavily trafficked roadways. You know, go through neighborhoods, say hi to your neighbors, you know, wave at the dog, you know, do things like that that keep you away from heavily trafficked roadways where you're going to be exposed to more tailpipe emissions. You know, just recently I had a chance, I, I was at a business conference and I was in my hometown in San Diego. And as well, I was walking downtown, I, I saw just kind of laying on the sidewalk some bikes and um, took a look at it and looked like if I downloaded an app, I could scan that, hop on that bike. And instead of getting in an Uber, I could ride the bike three miles. I was in a dress, but I still thought, this is great. Let me try this. And then I just left the bike where my destination was. And they have this kind of open program. Now, we see in downtown Salt Lake and in other locations, communities starting to say, let's make bikes available 
uh, for people who, you know, want to have more active transportation. Yeah, I love that. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. the green bike program, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really does allow people because, you know, cold starts, particularly in the winter, that's when you get this huge amount of air pollution that comes out of the back end of your car. So, you know, the green bikes are awesome. You know, it's not that snowy downtown. So if you wanted to, you know, get to your destination a little bit quicker, you know, even in the winter months, you could take that. Right. But keep in mind, again, as we're talking about air quality, when you're doing the green bikes or your bikes or your own locomotion, that you're going to be looking for cleaner air quality. You brought up something and I want to go back to it because it's um, important information for us to have. I stopped us for a minute back then because it was a little scary as a mother who's carried um, um, a handful of little children, you feel very vulnerable when you're expecting a child. But there's new information about air quality and our pregnancy and the health of our children. So can we talk a bit about air quality and what we should know as, and this is not just for mothers. This, of course, is for any parent to understand the correlation of the health of our children with the air quality we're breathing. Yeah. More and more information is coming out on the relationship between air quality and pregnancy outcomes all the time. So a really rapidly expanding body of literature, scientific literature. What we do know is that, you know, women who um, are pregnant and live next to heavily trafficked roadways are more likely to have a child, a baby, who then becomes a child and develops asthma. So there's something about that exposure, you know, during pregnancy that increases the likelihood of a child developing asthma. And we see that same correlation with secondhand smoke, correct? correct. So if you have parents who are smokers and that uh, that infant or the fetus is exposed to that, that child then has a higher incidence. Yeah, of, similarly of with mm-hmm. you know women who are tobacco users are at greater risk of having low birth weight babies. Turns out women who are exposed to high levels of air pollution during pregnancy are also at greater risk of having low birth weight babies. And the, the mechanism of that is the same as what we see when I was talking about, you know, air pollution and heart disease. It causes inflammation in your blood vessels. And there are a lot of blood vessels in that placenta, you know, that connects the mom to the developing fetus. And so it's thought that, you know, air pollution can cause um, narrowing of those placental blood vessels. And so that's less oxygen and less nutrients going to the developing fetus. And that's why it results in smaller babies. For those who just joined us, this is Dr. Liz Joy. She is the Medical Director of Community Health, Health Promotion and Wellness at Intermountain Healthcare. We are talking about our air quality here in the state of Utah and how it connects to our health. What do we need to know about it? Um, maybe there is some information that makes us feel a little anxious, but that information, what we want to do is turn it into a choice, empowerment, decisions that we make so we can be as healthy as possible in the beautiful place that we live called Utah because it is extraordinary. It's like a playground for outdoors, the rivers, the trails, the mountains. Uh, It is beautiful, but we do have a unique, as you mentioned, geography, which can exacerbate the pollution uh, that exists. And so, okay, a couple of the pointers you mentioned. When we exercise, do our best to exercise outside of heavy commute time if we are going to be exercising near traveled roads, or does that also apply if we have uh, travel uh, trails that are not near roadways? Yeah, you know, certainly exercising away from heavily trafficked roadways is the best choice. Um, 
there are probably some trails, you know, nearby, you know, our, our, I mean, that's the unique thing about Utah, right? Sure. Is that it's so, everything is so close. It's not like we have to drive an hour to get to a trail. Right. Or so there, you there, get a ski resort 20 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So there may be some trails that, you know, might still be at risk, you know, depending on the time of day. Um, but, you know, if you're, you know, probably at 6,000 feet or above, um, and you're on one of those trails, you know, kind of almost regardless of the time of day, you're probably going to be safe. Um, and, you know, again, taking advantage of the outdoors is fantastic. It it helps our physical health. It helps our mental health. You know, so I'm a big proponent of outdoor exercise for everyone. Um, but again, we just have to be informed and we have to make healthy choices for ourselves and our loved ones. Tell us again the apps. Uh, you mentioned that there are two different apps that we could download for our tablets or our smartphones. And then that morning or the day before, take a look at what the air quality is and then make a decision. Maybe instead I'm going to uh, go do the stairs in my house. Maybe instead I'll do the stairs at work rather than taking a run outside. Yeah, so one is called airnow.gov and it comes from the Environmental Protection Agency or EPA. And then there's a local version called Utah Air, which comes through our division of, of air quality here at the State Health Department. And the Utah Air, that will also giving the readings, because we mentioned you said particulates, right? That's our biggest concern right now is looking at the particulate level in the air. Particulate pollution is, were, is problematic in the winter months mm-hmm. during our temperature inversions. And then in the summer months, we struggle with ozone pollution. And ozone pollution is... Um, formed by a chemical reaction between something called vox and nox and sunlight. And vox are volatile organic compounds, and nox are nitrogen oxides. And you combine that with sunlight, and it has a chemical reaction that creates ground-level ozone. And unlike particle pollution, which you can see, smell, and taste, ozone is colorless, Mm. odorless, for the most part pretty invisible to all of us. You may cause a little bit of irritation in your eyes or maybe a little dryness in your throat in the summer months. But on hot, sunny days, that's when we're at greatest risk for ozone pollution, which is also also not good. Bad for your lungs, bad for your heart, bad for your brain. Does Do the apps that you recommended also give us the readings for the ozone? Yeah, they do. Do they still do the color, yep, the red, yellow, color green? Code. Yep. So you can... Again, um, and, and you can look at it. I, I have uh, uh, the airnow.gov. Well, I have both apps on my phone. I probably use airnow.gov the most. But even now, it'll show you know the particulate um, pollution AQI and the ozone AQI. I actually looked at them this morning, and they were both How are we in, doing right now? Yeah, we're good. We're in the green. <laughs> we're in the green zone. So exercise to your heart's content. And that's why we, we always welcome the rain showers, right? Because that helps clean out the air. Does it clean out ozone as well? Do we know that? Yeah, it's prob- kind of yeah it probably question. does. And wind does too. Mm-hmm. You know, wind will kind of blow ozone, you know, over, in our case, I guess, to Wyoming. Um, <laughs> I live at the mouth of a canyon. So my, my air is always being blown into downtown Spanish Fork. So <laughs> you can tell by the shape of my hair, it kind of lifts up and it's over about eight inches uh, just naturally. But we are talking about air quality and we have about five more minutes with you. I want to talk in general. We mentioned that we have at-risk um, populations, those of us who may have health complications. And so we need to be more aware of air quality. And you explained something, and, and I'd love it just a teeny bit more detail. So when we breathe in particulates or, or smoggy air, dirty air, why is it a, a, a greater problem for our heart and our lungs? What's happening within the body? So let's just talk about particulate pollution. Okay. So we measure it based on the size of the particle. 
So um, you'll see reported PM10, so that's 10 micrometer diameter particles, or PM2.5, 2.5 micrometers, and then uh, PM1. And PM10 particles, like wood smoke, they get filtered out of our of our breathing, um, usually by our nose. So PM10 doesn't tend to kind of bother our heart and lungs so much. Because, because your body's built to filter that. It filters it, it, okay. those big particles. Mm-hmm. Um, and by big, they're still really, really small, but you know, big enough to be filtered by our nose. The ones that get into your heart vessels, for example, or your brain vessels, are the smallest particles, so PM2.5 and PM1. And um, when they get in there, they cause uh, a, a number of different mechanisms that can cause swelling inside the arteries. And so you can imagine if you have swelling, inflammation that results in swelling you know, in the arteries, that decreases blood flow to a part of the heart or it decreases blood flow to a part of the brain. And that's what can result in heart pain or angina or a heart attack or in the case of a stroke, a brain attack. Mm. So that's why people with underlying disease or pre-existing disease in the heart or the brain are at greatest risk for pollution and a subsequent problem. That is fascinating. It really is. Thank you so much for doing such a great job explaining it. I have an air filter in my house because at one point I read that during certain times of the year, the air inside my house may not be optimum either. And and having a son, I have a son who has was born with a birth defect, and so he has limited lung capacity. So of course we're you know hardwood floors. Make sure you get rid of the carpet and 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 do your best. So are there things we can do? Is does an air filter like that is it effective in helping us not only remove uh, any particulates that might have been trapped into our house, but yeah, we certainly believe that mm-hmm. to be true. Yeah. Um, and, and anecdotally, people, you know, who have underlying airway disease, when they put an air filter on their furnace, notice, you know, subjective improvements. One of my colleagues, Dr. Denitza Blagev, she's a pulmonologist at Intermountain Medical Center. She is actually doing a study to look at this. So she's um, giving people with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and other forms of adult lung disease um, air filters and actually seeing whether or not it reduces their use of rescue inhaler medications or does it reduce emergency room use or hospitalizations? So we are actively studying that That's here. fantastic. You brought up the inhaler. On days that I feel like I might be at risk, there's always a puff before I head out. So it's great to have information. Would you, as a medical director, would you advise someone who... Uh, is now curious, what should I know about my risk? Do we talk to our primary care physician to say, what are some of the safety steps maybe I should take because we live in a polluted area or or am I at greater risk? Absolutely. So one of my roles at Intermountain Healthcare is to co-chair our air quality and health development team. And I work with a team of physicians and scientists, both at Intermountain Healthcare and community leaders, to develop educational materials for both physicians and healthcare providers, but also information for the public on how air quality can impact your health. So we're trying to educate physicians so that they can have meaningful conversations with their patients, you know, about air quality and how it may affect their health. And again, also creating some public information that people can access um, through our website, through intermountainhealthcare.org. I think another great place for information around air quality and health is through UCARE, our Utah Clean Air Partnership, and encourage people to go to either one of those websites. You care. You care. Or intermountainhealthcare.gov. 
dot org. Thanks for that. As soon you as bet. I came out, I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> no, interrealtyhealthcare.org or you care. Correct. Another place. All right. Um, I know I'm being a teeny bit repetitive. We have one minute left. I really want everyone to be able to be aware of these apps because we are aware in Utah that we live in one of the most beautiful states that is in the country. But we do have an issue with pollution. It's something that is being tackled not only by Intermountain Healthcare and other healthcare providers, but business leaders, uh, our, our, our community leaders, civic leaders, all of us are engaged in addressing, recognizing, and trying to come up with other solutions. The, the uh, tracks, the, the front runner. Um, it's interesting because I, I had to drop off a car to get it repaired the other day, and a friend said, should I drive you? And I said, actually, if I take the front runner, get off this exit, take the tracks, walking a bit here and there, this is good for us. We just have to rethink how, how we live, but we want to make sure we have the power in our hands to make the judgment of how healthy our air is and what changes we should make based on that day. So the apps, again, we can download our airnow.gov and Utah Air. All right. Dr. Liz Joy, the Medical Director of Community Health with Health Promotion and Wellness and Intermountain Healthcare. It has been fascinating to have you in studio today. Thank you for your ongoing efforts to help us have the information we need to live the healthiest life we can in Utah. Thank you, Dr. Joy. Thank you.